Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Red River Shootout, like Texas, is back. The Buckeyes are looking to prove they are not soft. Coming off a bye week against the undefeated Maryland Terrapins. And is Coach Prime a realistic candidate for National Coach of the Year? Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to get into the Red River Shootout, which is a big deal for the first time in over a decade. I want to see if Georgia can actually put the screws to Kentucky, or we're just going to see the same Georgia that we've been seeing, which is the one that I docked from the number one team to the number two team. I want to see Ohio State basically take care of business against the best team that they faced since beating Notre Dame. I also kind of want to get into Coach Prime and whether or not that dude is actually in consideration for National Coach of the Year and just the significance of that, along with a couple of other candidates. But first, I want to start with this. How deep is this list of teams that could win this year's national title? Like, it's ridiculous. We got 11 teams with 25 to 1 or better odds to win the national championship. Now, I don't do the betting. I pick teams I think are going to win, and then I go that. I think they call that the money line. If you want the betting, go see the Bear, Chris Felica, and my guy Jeff Schwartz. But even I take a look at the odds and the spread just to kind of get a gauge of what people think. And Georgia at plus 300 still feels like, okay, cool, fine. I don't I don't know. Maybe. But they ain't shown what they've been in the last couple of years, that's for sure. And you go down this list, Florida State at plus 900, Oklahoma at plus 2,500, getting the same odds as Alabama who's already got the loss against Texas by 10 points, I might add. But it's just a deep list. It's also another way of saying there are 22 undefeated teams in FBS. Perhaps let's go with 14 of those. Got a realistic shot at getting into this, which means I'm including a couple of teams that aren't on this list. But it's going to show that we've got really great competition ahead of us as we approach the halfway mark of the season. And nobody's a clear favorite this year, which is different, right? In the last few years, it's been Georgia, it's been LSU, it's been Bama, it's been Clemson. But for the most part, we haven't seen anybody really arguing for that number one spot. And this week is going to help us decide who we like and why we like them because we're getting into conference play and we're getting into ranked matchups in conference play. And none is bigger this week than my number 12 Oklahoma Sooners going at number three ranked Texas. All right. I told you Texas was back. I said Texas was back. And then Texas got back with a 10-point win in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. 
Okay? Steve Sarkeesian has this thing moving because, as always, Texas has been one of the most talented football teams in America for the better part of 10 years. It's about getting them to act like it. Can you get them to play to their level, right? And if they do, they're tough to stop, man. They're six point, six and a half point favorite, six and a hook going into this game in the Red River Showdown. That, well, I say Red River Showdown. I say Red River Shootout. Some people say showdown. If you're old school like me, you probably go with the six guns. But it's a thought experiment for me. Like, let's let's go with Texas being favored here. Texas beats Oklahoma. Does UT move to number one or number two in my ranking, let alone the AP rankings? And I, man, it's difficult because a lot of this, as I've said, is not just being perfect. Perfect is the barrier for entry in most cases, right? Once you're perfect, it's are you dominant? Because Texas Christian was perfect up until the Big 12 championship game last year, but they were not dominant. They need to come from behind against what we think was not great competition. Meanwhile, Texas has ranked wins against Alabama on the road and last week against Kansas. When it's going well for them, it's going really well. And I trust the defense for the first time in over a decade. Got to take it back to 2011, the last time I trusted a Texas defense this much. And even that one. Kind of got done up by Taysom Hill and BYU when Manny Diaz was defense coordinator. I understand Happy Valley, they think they got a great one, and I think they do. But I remember Taysom Hill basically getting that dude fired at Texas for what he was able to do, putting up 40 on Texas skull. I think if Texas narrowly defeated Oklahoma, it's still really difficult not to make that the number one team in the country based on its resume, which is another way of looking at this as this Red River shootout is the biggest since 2008. And 2008, that game was for the national title contender, all right? We're talking about a top-ranked Oklahoma versus a top-five Texas in a game that mattered. Both of them were 5-0, and just like this year, and both of them had aspirations of not just winning the league but getting the college football playoff or BCS title game back then. What's wild about that is Texas beat Oklahoma in 08, but because the BCS championship has its own arithmetic, Oklahoma got the bid. To go to the national championship game. Now, Oklahoma didn't win that game. And even I will tell you, Texas was the better matchup for Florida. Kind of like Oklahoma was the better matchup for Alabama in 2018, 2017. But I digress, right? It breaks the way that it breaks. Oklahoma got a national title game. Texas finished 12 and 1. Boo hoo, cry about it. You know what I'm saying? Now, what's wild is maybe Oklahoma. Beats Texas this year, and Texas would still get into the playoff ahead of an Oklahoma, depending on how the Big 12 championship shakes out. Because now it used to be you had to win the Big 12 title to get into the college football playoff. Texas Christian said, nah, you, you don't. You just got to get there unscathed, and you got to hope that the Pac-12 is down. It's not. Or the Big 10 is down. It's not. Or the SEC, ACC is down. We'll see, right? I'm not sold on Florida State, and I'm certainly not sold on Clemson. But this is a great opportunity for Texas to announce itself in the way that we got used to Texas between 2004 and 2009, right? We've been waiting on them to get right for 15 years or so, it, th- it seems. And now they feel like they got it, but they got it right as Oklahoma got it too, all right? Now, mm, mm, it's just it's juicy. Look, it's not just that Oklahoma is 5-0. and It's that Oklahoma has been outstanding both offensively and defensively. So offensively, check this out. Oklahoma is operating like Lincoln Riley never left. The Sooners are averaging 47.4 points per game. 
Okay? Now, perspective here. Last year, they averaged 32-8. Bad. 39-1 in 2021. Fine. Uh, 43 a junk. Uh, 43 in 2020, which is a junk year. And then 27-3 in 2019. Excuse me, not 27-3. I'm getting ahead of myself. 48-4 in 2018. 42-1 in 2019. 45-1 in 2017. Point is, they were scoring points. All of a sudden, they're taking a leap, right, from what they were doing last year when they went 6-7. and seven. But the part that really got me excited, and I think most Oklahoma fans excited, is the defense is absolutely balling. But I don't think people really recognize just how balling the defense has been. Okay. Last year, booty, awful, bad, just garbage. Talk about giving up 30 a game. I can't remember the last time Oklahoma gave up no 30 a game. I until last year. Like, it's hard because you got to go back. So you give up 30 a game in Brent Venables' year one. But then what did you do in the years prior? All right. So 2020, 21-7, which is the best that Alex Grinch's defenses have performed since he left Ohio State. Okay. Now, 25-8 in 2021 and 27-3 in 2019, 33 in 2018. So there it is. That's the game. That's that's the year we're giving up 33 a game. Good God. 27-1 in 2017. But this year, they're giving up just 10.8 points per game. I had to go back a ways, and I actually had to reach out to Big Vic, our research dude over at Fox, and be like, all right, am I making this up? No, RJ, you're not making it up. What am I not making up? That Oklahoma is on pace to surrender its fewest points since 1987. The King was still a head coach at Oklahoma in 1987, and they gave up 7.8 a game, which is ridiculous. Okay? Now, I'm including the Orange Bowl in that game, and they gave up 20 to, you know, Jimmy Johnson. And then when Jimmy Johnson handed Oklahoma its head in that national championship game in the Orange Bowl. But you get the point here. The 2000 national championship team gave up 12.8 a game, right? In 2001, they gave up 14.8, back when we thought of Oklahoma as a fortress and one in which the defense was king. Take it back to 1991. Gary Gibbs' defense gave up 11.9 points per game. That's ridiculous. Gary Gibbs just doesn't get enough credit for what he did at Oklahoma because, well, it's coming on the heels of Coach Switzer, and it came before Howard Schnellenberger and before John Blake. And, you know, 90s is just not a, not a fun time for most Oklahoma fans. And the special teams has been special. Peyton Bowen, thank you, Notre Dame, thank you, Oregon, has blocked two punts in the last three games. Like, it's coming together for the Sooners. But you know what? I mean, it's Quinn Ewers over there. You know what I'm saying? He over 250 yards passing the game. And that, that's Jonathan Brooks over there. That's Skip Brooks' boy. That's three straight 100-yard rushing game. 200-plus against Kansas. Adonai Mitchell coming on. He had his best game ever last week. 10 catches, like 141 yards. Xavier Worthy out there getting it done. You know what I'm saying? Defense. They got some hitters. Jalen Ford, one of them dudes. I'm saying. I don't know that Oklahoma can compete. I don't know if Oklahoma got it. We were humiliated last year, 49 to zero. You know, we ain't even got no real airports here. You can't get no direct flights to nowhere. I mean, it's big old Texas and it's Austin, you know, Tesla in this, you know what I'm saying? They, they just bigger. They faster. They wear more orange. Don't, don't worry about Oklahoma. Don't, don't mind Oklahoma fly over state. Everybody wants to make fun of the panhandle, you know, Horses, Pioneer Woman, you know, Creeks over here, Cherokees over there, Tulsa Race Massacre. Ain't nobody caring about no Oklahoma. Don't mind Oklahoma. 
Forget we 5-0. and Forget about 10.8 points per game scoring. Forget about 47.4. Forget about eight interceptions in the last three games. Just forget about us. Don't, don't worry about don't mind Oklahoma. We not going nowhere. I think we got like three electoral college votes. You know what I'm saying? In, in Texas. Go ahead. You you big, you bad. You you back. You know what I'm saying? You you gonna win the national championship. You know what I'm saying? You you should feel great about this. Get butt, Texas. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Texas. You know, that's that's RJ's pick for this game. Go ahead, tell everybody about it. You know what I'm saying? R- RJ's out on the Sooners. Go ahead. I said it. Texas. I'm picking Texas. Don't mind Oklahoma not one bit. But come back here on Saturday night if something awesome happens. Because Oklahoma gets to 6-0 and before week 7. You're not going to be able to tell me a damn thing. Okay? Nah, 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 nah. Wait till I get my money right. All right. Let's talk about the big noon game. All right, Maryland at number four, Ohio State. All right, this ain't this ain't this ain't this ain't this ain't my Maryland. Thank your Maryland. Thank your daddy's Maryland. This Maryland, good. They good. Now Ohio State is favored by 19 and a half. That's a big spread. Okay. I said to Coach Loxley coming into this thing back at Big Ten Media Days. Hey, 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 Lox. I looked at the schedule, my dude. You could be five and zero by the time y'all go to Ohio State. And he said, "Arjun, you counting wins on me already?" Yes, I am, because y'all that good. Now, this game could look a lot like USC Colorado last week. Understand what I'm saying here? Because this will be the first ever meeting between Maryland and Ohio State when both are undefeated. But it's also going to be the first time since 1940 that Ohio State has played five, excuse me, six consecutive or five consecutive. Yeah, their fifth game for them, sixth game for Maryland, five consecutive undefeated opponents. And Ohio State is 8-0 all time against Maryland, right? We know what that is. And at the shoe, against Maryland, it's gotten worse, right? 49 in 2015, 62 in 2017, 73 in 2019, 66 in 2021 and as far as points scored. And, you know, Ohio State's 38-40 at home recently. Losses to, I mean, goodness me, we're talking about Michigan and Oregon. That's it. Going into the shoe and getting a win ain't, 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 ain't easy to do. And, you know, they've been outscoring people off a of bye. Like Ryan Day's Buckeyes have been devastating off a of bye. They have outscored opponents off of bye 108 to 17 in the Ryan Day era. You just don't want them off a of bye. But Maryland got an ace in the hole. It's called Josh Gaddis, who has beaten Ohio State before and is calling the plays against Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. Now, I kind of think that if I look at Talia Tonga-Valoa, I see a great quarterback. But then I went and looked at the statistics. He's already the best quarterback Maryland's ever had. He's passed for over 9,300 yards. He's passed 64 TDs. And I understand to his little brother ain't moving it for a bunch of y'all, but they are 5-0 and heading into this thing. And Mike Loxley has been making it happen at College Park. It's been a steady progression. He's been building this thing. Game features the two top offenses in the Big Ten, two t- uh, top two passing offenses in the Big Ten, too. So watching Kyle McCord operate against that defense is going to be fun. But if Talia Tonga-Valoa can do against Ohio State's defense what nobody else has been able to do, which is basically get the big play, this could be a ball game, right? Now, I'm also looking at this, and Maryland and Ohio State are both winning by an average of 25 points. So the spread, you know, is the spread. 
So maybe they keep that up. But Maryland's going to need a, a great game from Roman Hemby. Uh, matter of fact, he's going to need to be so good that you're going to have to be thinking about the Roman Empire. Mark Antony, Caesar. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do live long after them. The good is often turned with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. In this case, Caesar would be Ohio State. You see, I tied it back. But 85 a game ain't going to do it against Ohio State. Roman Hemby is going to have to absolutely wreck shop against that defensive front. And that's just hard, man. That's just difficult. Now, Notre Dame did a really great job against that defensive front, 176 yards. But again, they were at home. I don't know that you're going to be able to do that to shoot. They're going to be loud. It's going to be 100,000 people there. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to pick Ohio State because that's a smart thing to do. You know, as much as you want to pick against them, that ain't smart for nobody. 38 or 40. And if Kyle McCord is the weakest part of your offense, and that's legitimate, like he might be the weakest part of that offense, you got a really damn good offense because we still haven't seen a 100-yard game from Mecca Buka. You know what I'm saying? Julian Fleming's still there. Kate Stover is emerging. Trey Sanders, or Trey Sanders, excuse me, <laughs> Trey Henderson. Trey Sanders is over at Texas Christian. Chip Trainum. You know, I'm saying we we got dudes over there, and they got dudes on both sides of the ball. But I, I would not be shocked to find out that Maryland actually puts in a shift here. Because remember, last year they lost this game 34-27 to Michigan that everybody was like, is Maryland good? Turns out, yeah, they're just, they got to put it all together at one point in time. All right, let's go to number 20. Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia's favored by 14 and a half. I just want to see Georgia put together a full game. They have not been great against SEC opponents so far, needing to come from behind against South Carolina, and then they need to come from behind against Auburn. I'm watching that game, expecting them to do something dirty, and turns out, no, Brock Bauer is the only guy with the mutant gene. Carson Beck is fine, 72% passing, 309 yards, but like, if you got the mutant gene over there, you can do... Most of what you want in the offensive game. Dejan Edwards has been steady at tailback. Malachi starts as a dude, like try throwing on that secondary, but that ain't what Kentucky does. Now, Devin Leary ain't been great, but even if De Devin Leary was, that ain't Mark Stoops' style. He wants to run the football and play defense. That's why when you see Ray Davis go off for 289 yards from scrimmage against Florida, yeah, you got it. You, you better check him. By the way, that dude transferred from Vanderbilt. And I'm reminded that Tyler Steen transferred to Alabama from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, what the hell y'all doing sitting on these dudes? How are they leaving? Ray Davis shows up and runs on everybody? If he could do that against Georgia, yeah, you're going to hear about it. But Kentucky ain't beat Georgia since 2009, meaning that Georgia's won 13 straight against Kentucky. It feels like the kind of game where Kentucky will show up, like USC Colorado. They'll show up. They'll find a way to get involved. And then at the end, you'll see Georgia do what Georgia does. Maybe it'll be Brock Bowers. Maybe it'll be Dejan Edwards. Maybe it be Carson Beck. But somebody's going to go do it. But you know what? Maybe Mike Stoops can finally beat Georgia. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. I'm picking Georgia, by the way. Yeah, the, you know, let's. I'm picking Georgia against Kentucky. All right. Number 11, Alabama at Texas A&M. Alabama's favored by two and a half. But, you know, last time they played at Kyle Field, Jimbo Fisher and Ampersand U dispatched the number one ranked tide, 41-38. Maybe Nick Saban remembers that. I don't know. Maybe Jalen Milrow remembers that it didn't grow great for him the last time he played against Texas A&M. But you know what? Max Johnson, Aeneas Smith, Evan Stewart, they need to have big games against that Bama defense, which I think is terrifying. I don't want any parts of them. And yet they got dudes on that secondary ball hawks that are growing more capable and confident with every snap they play. 
Kool-Aid McKinstry come through your wall in your living room, talk about, you know, what's good. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know, man. Max Johnson, three and one, is a starter at AM. He was great toward the end of the season against LSU that one time against Florida. But DJ Durkin's defense was the first to show Jalen Milrow that he ain't no Bryce Young. Maybe they can do that again. Milrow's been sacked 13 times this year. It can be tight. It probably will be low scoring. But I got to tell you, man, if Jimbo Fisher messes around and beats Alabama again, you can put the kibosh on whatever is going to happen with Jimbo. But if they get housed by Alabama, the Aggie Network might find $80 million. They, 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 yeah, they spiteful like that. They, they, mm. and Bobby Petrino's right there. It's going to get nasty if they get nasty. All right. So I'm going to pick Bama in this one. And maybe, 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 maybe AM and U can upset them again. We'll see. Number 10, Notre Dame at Louisville. Number 25, Louisville, excuse me. Notre Dame favored by six and a half. Uh, Notre Dame is trying to make like Subway alumni and like work with their hands for the first time since 2005, which is when they last went on the road back-to-back weeks to beat ranked opponents. I don't think that Louisville's that good, but they are undefeated. And Notre Dame's been flirting with disaster, you know, like Molly Hatchett out here for the last couple of weeks. I mean, right there on edge against Duke on a fourth and 16, you got to have it. Sam Hartman got to go get it for you. And then Audric Estime got to finish it for you. All right, so let me let me get at it this way. Louisville, 5-0, and might be looking at Notre Dame like Tiffany Gomez on the airplane. At the end of this, they get a win. Talk about these dudes ain't real. Hey, they be in it. But, you know, they got the ACC's leading rusher in Jahar Jordan. I say ACC's leading rusher because, well, Audrey Estime has rushed for 672 yards, and he leads the FBS in rushing. But he does not lead the ACC in rushing because Notre Dame insists on this open marriage with the ACC. Just stringing the ACLC along out there in South Bend. Why don't you just go ahead and get hitched? Why do we have to keep watching this? I want to say that Audric Estime leads the ACC in rushing, not just the FBS. It's ridiculous. Get out of this, dude. Just go join the conference. Sam Hartman has been proving me correct. He is the best quarterback in Notre Dame history. Throw Theismann at me if you want to. Right? Throw Joe Montana at me if you want to. And I will point to you, what did they do at Notre Dame? And then what did they do at college? Don't bring me no NFL stats talking about college football. Don't do that. We do college football here. Talk about the NFL on Sundays. We got a podcast for you. It's hosted by Dave Hellman. You can go check that one out. Here, FBS, baby. Tell me how good Sam Hartman has been, and I will tell you, yeah, that's the best dude to ever put on Notre Dame uniform and play quarterback out there. Again, Louisville beats Notre Dame. Cardinals fans are going to talk more noise than the Louisville lip after putting Sonny Liston on his back, telling Ernie Terrell to announce his name from his back, and then George Foreman in Manila. Look, I'm rooting for a thriller is what I'm saying. Jeff Brown, Jack Plummer, get on it. Make this one interesting for me. Uh, A couple of others that you need to keep your eyes on, too. Howard, Holy Bleep, Cross the Third, and Jamari Thrash, two dudes that I'm enamored with. Howard. Over there playing outstandingly on the defensive side of the ball. Jamari Thrash, outstanding wide receiver. I'm picking Notre Dame to win this game because, again, that's the sensible thing to do. But maybe Louisville won it. Maybe they got some to them that we ain't seen yet. All right. Number 13, Washington at UCLA. UCLA is favored by three and a half. I rank UCLA, but the AP doesn't want to rank UCLA. So now Washington State has to deal with that wrath. 
But you know what? Cam Ward and the Pullman Pyrotechnics versus Dante Ward and uh, uh, Dante Moore and the Westwood Connection. Yeah, right? somebody gonna get invited to their gangsta nation. That's that's what it's gonna be. Because at the end of this, we're gonna find out somebody else is real or not real. Because there's a lot of folks that kind of be like, I don't know, Washington State might be on it. Maybe. But this is a really good judge of how good Wazoo is. Like, we don't think that Wisconsin is great, but we don't think that Wisconsin is bad. UCLA didn't show everything they got in Salt Lake City against Utah and Rice Eccles. But maybe they got a little something else, right? Again, this game is at UCLA. It's in Pasadena. I'm always going to be in on a quarterback competition. Like, Cam Ward has been outstanding. I think it's 376 pass yards on average game, 16 TDs, no interceptions. And we're talking about Josh Kelly, Lincoln Victor, and Kyle Williams featuring at wide receivers. Really fun to watch that offense work. Dante Moore is dude. Like, it's going to – by year three of the Dante Moore experience, the Big Ten might be in for some. I like watching that dude play football. I think he's going to be outstanding. But UCLA can score with Wazoo. I know this because Wazoo is going to let you score 20. And if you let him score 20, you get into a rhythm. You might see the West Side connection – getting after it with the Pullman pyrotechnics. Like, it's it, it's on and popping in the Pac-12 this year. Outstanding quarterback play. But UCLA and Oregon are the only two teams in the entire conference that are averaging 250 passing and 200 rushing. I expect that to be the trend in this game. I'm going to pick Washington State to win it. I like Cam Ward. I like Jake Dickert. I think they got a defense that can get into the backfield and maybe get in Dante Moore's way. And if they can... It probably is Washington State's to to lose at that point, but, you know, don't put it past them. They can't lose it. And then finally, let's talk about Colorado at Arizona State. Colorado's favored by four and a half, coming off of two back-to-back losses against Oregon and USC. And I want to start it with, with this as a conversation, though. We know that people watch Coach Prime in Colorado. We know this because the numbers bear it out. Five of the eight most-watched college football games this year feature Colorado. And Colorado is played on national television. They've got at least 7.24 million viewers, and they have peaked at 10 million. Those numbers are enormous in our sport. Now, the NFL, again, they'll thumb their nose at us because the Sunday afternoon game on Fox is about 25 million people watching it. And on uh, Thanksgiving last year, when the Cowboys played, it was 49 million. But you get what I'm saying here, right? 10 million people watching Colorado football a year after they went 1-11 is a big deal. So you know that people are watching. You know that more people that could give a damn about the sport, except to say that we are a minor league and farm team for the NFL, now care about the sport. You've seen the celebrities on the sideline. And you've also seen Coach Prime getting some of that work in, right? Now, he's letting everybody get at him, and he's also giving it back. Like, I I, I love how he's got something to say to the naysayers. At this point, I don't think there are people that are naysaying what Colorado can do. I think there are just people that are tired of hearing me talk about Colorado and tired of hearing him talk about Colorado. But y'all keep showing up to hear us talk about Colorado. So what lesson am I supposed to take from that? Okay. Other part is they're going to be great offensively and they're going to be bad defensively. They're putting up 440 a game, but they're giving up 480 a game. They're going to feast and they're going to famine. Against Arizona State, I expect that to be the same thing. With no Jaden Rashada, probably leans more toward Colorado once again, but I mean, they're putting up 357 through the air, right? But they're giving up 296 through the air. Shador Sanders is that dude. Got to show that once again against SC. They're down 41 to 14. They come back. They get close to tying it. Put on a really great display. Shador's already thrown for 350 yards or more in three games. The record for anybody at Colorado in the same season is five. Coy Detmer did that in 96. 
I mean, I also got to couple that with Old Dominion is the only team in FBS that's given up more sacks of its quarterback because they got Shador Sanders sacked 26 times. It's less about Colorado versus Arizona State, and it's more about what Colorado is going to do. And them being on the Pac-12 network ain't, ain't going to give much pe- many people an opportunity to see them at all because it's not on national TV, TV. But I'm looking at this, and I want to talk about Omarion Miller, and I want to talk about Travis Hunter not playing for another three weeks, and I want to talk about the emergence of a number of players, Cormani McClain getting some game, Cameron Silman-Craig out there absolutely, absolutely playing well. They became the first defense to pick off Bo Nix and Caleb Williams this season. But I was led in a different direction as I was getting ready to write about this FoxSports.com where you'll be able to read this piece. Because I was having this conversation about can Coach Prime win National Coach of the Year in year one at Colorado? And after the comeback win against Colorado State and they're 3-0, and it's one that you really have to consider, right? Now they lose back-to-back games. Nobody's talking about Shador Sanders as a Heisman finalist anymore, and that's kind of cool. but he could still win National Coach of the Year honors, and that would be a big deal. Now, clearly, Prime doesn't care about winning anybody's National Coach of the Year. He does not care, okay? He also is very akin, or uh, attuned, not akin, attuned to Fairweather fans, right? He will tell you what his mama told him. Hey, the fan blows when you hot. You know what I'm saying? And so he's here nor there. He wants to do uh, that he's coaching to succeed, and he wants his coaches to get jobs. But a great way of doing that is winning National Coach of the Year. Okay. Add to this that it's really difficult to win National Coach of the Year, especially in the Power Five. So since 2017, only one coach in the Power Five has won the FWAA's Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. That'd be Ed Orgeron, 2019. He needed to go 15-0 and and win a national championship to do it. Everybody else was a G5 coach at the time. 2016 is Mike McIntyre who turned around a 4-9 program in 2015 to 10-4 in 2016. But it's deeper than that, right? Again, I reached out to our guy, Big Vic, and I learned that since 1990, which is as far back as I chose to look, only two coaches have won National Coach of the Year for the FWAA's Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award with fewer than 10 wins. And it's been nine in both cases. 2005, Charlie Weiss. I know people are like, really? What? In 1994, Rich Brooks made it to the Rose Bowl, lost to Penn State. That's it. So you got to get to nine if you're Colorado. And it's it's going to be tough sledding to get to nine if you're Colorado. Six, I think it's they can get to six. They can get to seven. Winning those extra two games is going to be difficult. And they're going to have to get through the next couple of weeks without Travis Hunter to give themselves a shot. I mean, you got to beat Arizona State and you got to beat Stanford and you got to get healthy in the bye week. All right. So that's part of it. Other part of it is, I had to look at some of the competition. Who else could be in the running for National Coach of the Year? Well, as there are 22 undefeated teams, you could make a case for all 22 head coaches before you make a case for Prime. Okay. Add to that, if Steve Sarkeesian beats Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry, he skyrockets to the front of the list after how down Texas has been by Texas standards. That would be a huge win for him and put him in the catbird seat for the playoff and that honor. Same thing is true for Brent Venables, who would be 6-0 and after going 6-7 and last year with a win over a top-five-ranked Texas. But you keep going, you can get a little bit deeper than there. James Franklin at Penn State, 5-0. and Mike Loxley at Maryland, I mentioned, 5-0. and You keep going down this, and all of a sudden I looked and I said, damn, we could have a black head coach win National Coach of the Year, to which I asked, 
Has a black coach ever won national coach of the year? No. So the AP, nor the Bear Bryant Award, nor the Football Writers Association Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award have never awarded that thing to a black head coach. James Franklin got close in 2012. He made the finalist list after winning nine games at Vanderbilt for Bear Bryant's award. Still didn't give it to him. And I was thinking about me. Surely Eddie Robinson won this award. No. The man whose name is on National Coach of the Year award never won National Coach of the Year. Now, this is a big deal. Maybe it's not a big deal to Prime, and maybe it's not a big deal to you, but it's damn sure a big deal to me because the sport is 50%, 54% black. And there are just 15 of 131 FBS posts as of December 18, 2022 that have black head coaches. It's really difficult to tell the story of college football without black players and black coaches. But the idea that we could go 154 years, or at least as long as the awards have been around, without awarding one to a black head coach feels something like from 1968, 1969, which 1969 is the last year that Texas, excuse me, Texas became the last school to have an all-white team win a national championship in 1969. That's about where you would expect this statistic to land. So could Prime win it? Sure. But could a black coach win it? Absolutely. And one of the ways to make it more about football and less about race is to start acknowledging black excellence in such a way that it just becomes part of the game. Kind of like us talking about players. Nobody mentions that a player is black or white when we're talking about Heisman Trophy winners because we have acknowledged and we've seen enough of each other to know that at least since integration in 1970, everybody can play and everybody's got game. Why can't we do that in the coaching ranks? I think if we're going to have one, this is the year because guys are winning football games. I'm talking about Marcus Freeman lost to Ohio State with three seconds left on the clock and could still win this thing by just running the table and making the playoff. We're getting closer to what could be a very cool inflection point for this sport. And as there aren't a knot of other black men in the position that I have dreamt about and I get to live a dream every day. I hear my grandmommy in my ear going, you owe. You owe for the men and the women that sacrificed to put you in a position to do this. So I need to tell you that if there is an opportunity here, we must seize it. Football Writers Association. If you got an opportunity there, you see an undefeated Penn State, you see an undefeated Maryland, you see a 9-10 win Colorado, give it some thought. By the way, I vote for that award because I'm a member of the Football Writers Association. It's a very big deal. It's very important and it's very moving. Because the last thing that I like to talk about when I go home is, RJ, they don't like us. Yes, they do. We just have to show them. And we do it. We do it. So if Prime wins Coach of the Weir, awesome. Because it will be a first and it will be history making. And the more history made, the easier it becomes to talk about what we all want to talk about, which is football. All right. We will be back here live Saturday night following Alabama, Texas A&M. 
Our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall to make us better in the film room. Social producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Production assistant Kiara Santana puts the special in our special teams. Aaron Schechter is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline and the play snaps on my clap. Till then, stay low, keep those feet grinding. Yes.